Hello and welcome to the Motivation Method podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We are the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and the Motivation Masterclass found at trinitytransformation.co.uk. In today's episode, you will learn the answer to the following question. How can I ensure losing weight is affordable? So sit back and relax and welcome to today's Motivation Method podcast. All right, so today we're going to be talking about losing weight and a lot of people seem to think it's a very expensive process and I can kind of see why, but Ben, why do you think people feel like it's expensive and want it to be more affordable? The cost can kind of add up when you when you do approach these kind of fitness programs and with, with anything you sign up to, there's always going to be an upfront cost, whether that is £10, whether that is, you know, a few hundred pounds of personal training sessions, but to get to kind of get the help from somebody else to lose weight, there is always going to be an upfront cost. But one thing, one mistake I think people make is that they look at this upfront cost and allow it to put them off when the reality is if they don't invest in help, they can they can actually end up wasting even more money than if they just invested in this thing and got the results they wanted to see. Um, people also think, you know, it's going to be expensive to eat well, it's going to be expensive to exercise. But it really doesn't have to be. If you do it the right way, you can get in shape, you can maintain a healthy lifestyle, and it doesn't have to break the bank. I mean, Rob, me and you, we've been in doing this fitness thing for years, like, you know, how old am I now? 28, 27, so nine years or so. And it's not like fitness has been a huge drain on my finances the whole time. If you just learn how to, you know, live a normal life, but be fit and healthy doing that, then it costs just the same as, you know, living normally. Yeah, we kick this whole thing off as students and students notoriously don't have a lot of money and I mean maybe because they spend it foolishly but we won't get into that discussion today but you don't actually have that much money as a student and we figured out how to do it for a relatively low, low cost like definitely it's an affordable cost um, if you know how so what we're going to do we'll, we'll break this down and we'll talk about how we can make food affordable so the eating side of things we'll talk about how you can make exercise affordable um, as well and then we'll also talk about the mindset piece of this the motivation bit because there's a big element of that as well which comes when it comes to thinking it's too expensive or you should try and do it on your own and things like this so first of all food like what would you advise people to do Ben when it comes to food to try and make it affordable okay so the over my overarching tip for this is that what what we kind of always say which is learn how to eat normal foods the same as you normally would the same as the rest of your family but to see results in the mirror by doing that the way we suggest doing that is basically tracking the foods you eat so if you're tracking your calories if you're hitting the right amount of calories per day then you can you could essentially eat whatever foods you want as long as those fit into that calorie target and then you're going to see the results you want to see in the mirror. So the first thing is just to get into your head that you can lose weight just eating normal foods. You don't need any kind of special ingredients. You don't need any kind of fancy foods. You can just eat normal stuff and it's about how much of that food you eat, which is going to give you the results that you want to see. Yeah, we, we have had lots of clients come through our doors who've done lots of different approaches before. And Ben, you saying that's just reminded me actually of um, one lady we had at an event in London when we... We were on this boat doing this boat cruise with um, some of the members of the Trinity tribe and she was telling me all about um, the previous plan 
that she was doing. It was a meal plan based plan from some very popular trainer that looks like Jesus. I'm sure you can all work out who it is. Jesus with sick abs. And she basically said she became a running joke on her street because every single week, I think it was multiple times a week, she'd have the food delivery van coming with crates and crates and crates of food. And she said it was like 200 pounds a week or something absolutely mad to stick to everything off this meal plan. And it really isn't necessary. And she said it, she was amazed when she actually came to work with us. And there's lots of other people who advocate eating normal food as well and not, not eating an insane amount. But she said she couldn't believe it that her food cost could half or quarter and she could still see incredible results, but without having to spend hundreds of pounds every single week. And we also hear from a lot of people who've done these kind of meal plan approaches, rigid meal plans, and their family kind of gets fed up of it or sick of it, or they don't want to tell their family about it, which is a, another big one, because it's kind of embarrassing if you keep trying these different diets and these different approaches, and they're not necessarily all working out people's other halves I understand could get kind of fed up with it or can get kind of negative about it and not support them so they don't want to tell them but what ends up happening is they quite often their family says I don't want to eat your whatever it is from your meal plan your 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 diet food your weight loss food it's not I don't really like it so then what ends up happening we've heard this loads haven't we Ben is people say I had to eat I had to eat my meals all separately from my family or I had to cook two meals a night three meals a night to cater for everyone and that's just something that's going to be so hard to stick to so a it's going to be expensive and b it's just going to be unsustainable but also there's loads of so that's one example there's loads of other reasons or other things that diets might try and make you eat um that are not affordable and that are not normal food so ben why don't you jump into some examples on that because meal plans is kind of normal food but in excessive quantities or too much fancy stuff but there's also other things, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing with a meal plan is you're essentially outsourcing your, you know, what foods you should eat to somebody else. You're basically saying to somebody else, please tell me the foods that you think I should eat. The problem with that is they could tell you foods you don't like. You know, you might be get lucky. There might be foods that you do like. It might be loads of food. It might be not much food. It might be expensive food. It might be cheap food. But you've actually handed over the control of your own food intake to somebody else. And it's exactly the same if you go for an approach which is kind of um, any company that you sign up for and then they will tell, they'll either tell you what to eat or they will sell you the food that to eat. So they will sell you special slimming meals or special slimming shakes. You're kind of locked into having to eat a certain, um, a certain type of food or certain foods. And then that means you're kind of locked into that financial implication. So even if the plan was quite cheap up front, the actual cost of the food could, can get pretty ridiculous um so yeah that's one thing don't you don't have to have a meal plan you don't have to stick to these slimming shakes slimming meals special foods in order to lose weight um and another thing that is not necessary can be useful but not necessary is supplements so there are a lot of people who they are willing to spend money on supplements they'll buy a 50 pound tub of protein um or whatever you know spend like 50 pounds on all these different supplements fat burners proteins etc etc um, every single month and supplements can be great but they're kind of like the icing on the cake so if you're the kind of person who buys supplements or is thinking about buying supplements just remember that unless you've got your exercise bang on unless you've got your calories and your diet bang on the amount of food you're eating 
supplements are not really going to make any difference. I, I used to think this was the case. So when I first started out when I was, I don't know, 18, 19, university student, as Rob said, university students spend money on stupid things. They're not, you know, I wasn't the cleverest financially. So I didn't really invest in any kind of knowledge of how to eat, how much I should eat, what I should be eating, what workouts I should be doing. I didn't get help of a coach or a trainer or anything like that. What I did do is I bought loads of supplements, probably bought £100 a month worth of supplements. I was buying tons of protein shakes, uh, BCAAs, like branched chain amino acids, dextrose, uh, creatine, all these different supplements. And I was hoping that if I just took three protein shakes a day, took all of these other supplements, that was going to transform my body. But that just really wasn't the case. I, I've, I see better results probably now and... Um, over the last few years where I've been a bit more clued up about this without having any sup without taking any supplements at all supplements are very convenient so for example protein shake is just a very convenient way of upping of, of adding protein into your diet but unless you know how much protein you need to be adding unless your calories are right it doesn't really make any difference if you just ate protein shakes all day and you had too many calories you're just going to gain weight even if you're having these you know these supplements which are quite expensive when it comes to food I mean one tub of protein probably cost them as much as a, a weekly food shop. Well, that's for me. Probably two weeks food shop for somebody who doesn't eat as many calories as me. So, yeah, my next one. Don't think the supplement's going to save you. And unless you've got a really, really good strategy in place with your nutrition, with your exercise, don't even think about supplements. Think about those if you've got everything else nailed and you just need that icing on the cake. And I would say our supplement collection has vastly reduced like massively over the years like as you were saying when we were at uni i remember do you remember how much stuff we had when we lived together the first time yeah there we had this huge stuff it was like on the top of the fridge i think there was yeah. like 25 bags of different supplements owned by me rob and a housemate matt as well yeah it was ridiculous and i don't i think i even knew what half of them were i remember buying things and thinking like I've read on my protein website, this one says you'll I'll get leaner or I'll build more muscle. So it must be right. That's what I thought because I was so lacking in knowledge at that time. I just sort of bought into it. So I was like, oh, I'll be BCAAs. And then I read about all the different ones. And I was like, oh, these EAA ones, these, their website says these are the best. Obviously, they're more money, but these are the best. I'll buy them. And then, oh, I'll, uh, what else will I do? Oh, okay, I'll look on here, more muscle building ones. Oh, I'll buy this like HMB thing or whatever it's called. I don't know what it is. I'll just buy that. And then I was kind of, oh, creatine. I've heard that's good. I looked through all of them and I was like, I'll buy this one, creatine ethyl ester or something. I think that's what I bought. And honestly, these I've never tasted stuff, such bad stuff as, I don't know if this stuff's actually healthy. I'm sure you've had some bad experiences as well, Ben. But I, I remember one, that creatine I bought, tasting like, literally, I thought it tasted like pl blended plastic bags. It had the strangest, most strong chemically taste ever. And... I didn't know what I was even doing with my food, but I, I just thought, oh, this will be the shortcut. This will be the answer. I must have to take this because all of the guys or girls who are in great shape, this is what people think. And this is what I thought. All those people in great shape are talking about these. So it must be the answer. And I think what we've learned, as, as, as I said to Ben, our supplement collections dropped and dropped and dropped. I, I think I just have protein and creatine now, which are the two kind of proven things. Um, two of the, well, protein is just protein. It's just handy. Um, to not get it in your diet and then creatine has been proven to help with getting stronger but most people don't need to worry about that so I've gone from like 10, 20 things to 2 and I have my nutrition on point I have my exercise on point 
So as Ben said, no need to worry about that stuff if you haven't even got those things on point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my supplement collection now is uh, ZMA, which helps with sleep. So that's sleep and recoveries. So that's not really much to do with, um, you know, fat loss, muscle gain, whatever. Uh, multivitamin sometimes, just that's like general health again. Probiotics, that's another one for like general health. Fish oils, another one for like general health. So my supplements are kind of more just about keeping my body healthy now because I've realized you can't just take a pill or you take a shake and magically transform your body. So I think supplements, are they can be good for boosting your health. But the thing to watch out for is what the trap I used to fall into, Rob probably always used to fall into, is when you see some, an internet celebrity, someone on Instagram, someone's videos on the internet, and they say, oh, well, I'm taking this, uh, whatever it is, muscle farm, whatever, uh, protein shakes. And then you assume that just because they've taken that, that's what's given them the results in the mirror, when really it's it's not. And the reality is that these supplement companies just pay people to say that they're taking these supplements and that these supplements are making all the difference for them. It's all all driven by money again. Like the, what, what was it last episode? We were talking about the uh, food industry conspiracies. <laughs> we'll yeah, we got too, deep into that. Too far down the black hole of all of that. But basically, just don't don't believe the hype when it comes to supplements. Yeah, it's very, it's very simple. And um, we've talked about it before, but I'm going to mention it again. The key to losing fat or losing weight is just to eat in a calorie deficit. It's just to eat a little bit less calories than your body is using every day. So your body has to go elsewhere to get that extra energy. So it burns your fat for that extra energy. That's all there is to it. And then exercise can help boost your metabolism and it can help burn a little bit more calories. And that will help you burn a little bit more fat or lose a little bit more weight. And that's all there is to it. And whether supplements help with that, they might add 0.001% extra like basically something that's not noticeable they might help you with other health benefits but generally they're not really going to make a big difference to you eating in a calorie deficit and you exercising consistently so don't waste your money on those and then when it comes to food ben what other advice can you offer to try and cut the cost of all these things i mean we've we've become quite good at this we're both quite frugal uh people so go on ben let them know what you what you reckon so um We've told you what not to eat, what you shouldn't bother wasting your money on, but what should you buy? This is the next question, because you can still go for one of these approach. You can still, you know, be eating in a calorie deficit, as Rob said, aiming for the right amount of calories, but you could still make your food shop 200 pounds a month if you wanted to, if you didn't quite do it right. So there are a few tips which are going to make you drastically reduce the cost of your food shop every single week, regardless of what approach that you follow. The first tip I would say is shop at the right shop. So if you look at, if, if you're worrying about money, you're complaining about money, you're saying, you know, I can't afford a fitness plan, I can't afford to work with a coach and get some proper advice on my calories and my workouts, but I can afford to shop at Waitrose every week, then you need to have a word with yourself because Waitrose and what are the, what else is expensive? M&S is quite an expensive one as well, I think. Yeah. Um, I even are, find Tesco's and Asda are deceivingly expensive, to be honest, Even Sains- and Sainsbury's as well. I find all of those middle ground ones are actually... They're, che- they're cheaper than Waitrose, but they're not that cheap. Yeah, so the first thing is just look at what shop you're buying your food from. First of all, if you're buying food from an expensive shop, that's going to be the, you know, that, that's going to make your food shop more expensive. So if you have a Lidl or an Audi in uh, Aldi, not Audi, <laughs> <laughs> near where you live, I would recommend you shop there because the, the quality of the food at Lidl, Lidl and Aldi, I find to be really good. Um, 
I mean, every supermarket is going to claim that their food quality is really good. I think, Rob, I think you told me once that the, like a, a review of the different foods, that it was the quality of the food in those supermarkets is good, is it? Yeah, so I this is like third-hand information, or fourth-hand maybe, because <laughs> my sister told me this and I told you this, but basically they did a review of all the supermarkets and how fresh the food was, um, how good quality it was. So was it like, was the chicken pumped full of water and things like this? How, how long had the veg been tape picked off the plant before it got to the supermarket? What they found was the, um, the middle ground supermarkets were really, really poor. So, and even the slightly lower end ones of those, so like Tesco's, uh, Asda, Morrison's was terrible. Um, and then I think things like Waitrose were quite good, but obviously very, very expensive. And then at the other end of the spectrum, Aldi and Lidl were actually also really good on those. So the food, you don't lose food quality. You might not get a few of your branded products, but um, I mean, I'm a big advocate of them. I think people are bored of me hearing, like, hearing me talk about them. But I used to shop when we started making a success out of our business and doing better. I think Ben did the same thing. I was like, oh, time is at a premium and I deserve the best and I'm into food and nutrition. So I started shopping at Ocado every single week. Um, the online supermarket but has a lot of stuff from Waitrose and their own stuff. Um, and I was spending over £100 a week just on me and my girlfriend. And it would, in retrospect, it was mad, but I got overexcited. Um, and I was just a bit silly with money when it came to that. So what I then did was I started shopping at Aldi and Lidl again. And I was like, hold on a sec. I get this, the same amount of food, slightly different. I don't get quite as much of the fancy stuff, but I don't actually need that stuff. And... My food shop is less than half. So a food shop that was 100, 110, 115 pounds every single week has now come down to about 50, 55, maybe 60 pounds a week. And that added up over the course of a year is 500 pounds, maybe a thousand pounds. If you just made that change, then you could actually invest in someone good to help you lose the weight. So not, there you go. Not only that, but you could probably afford a thousand pounds a year could probably afford to invest in someone to help you lose the weight, give you advice and go on a holiday with your family. You could probably afford both of those things just by changing the supermarket that you I like uh, that. go on the holiday shop and at. show off your new. Exactly. Figure. Would you rather shop at Waitrose or would you rather go on a holiday and lose a couple of stone before going on the holiday? We don't probably work for Aldi or Lidl. Self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a big fan. I mean, what you do sacrifice at Aldi or Lidl is probably the shopping experience. It, it's not the nicest place to go. It's no. like visually, <laughs> it's like going to a warehouse. Um, My I one is also why. a sea of people complaining. Um, yeah. And robbing stuff in London. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know why like they build a new Aldi or a new Lidl and they install a floor that looks like it was like 15 years old. I don't understand, but Whatever they're doing, they they keep the cost of the food down. The thing that they at least prioritize that the food in there is good. You go there, you get the good food. You sacrifice. Uh, you can't get. You, you might not be able to get online shopping. You might not be able to get a few ingredients. But what you can do is you buy the mate the the bulk of your food from um, Aldi and Lidl. So all of your veg, all the all of food. your all of your meat, all your rice, potatoes, all of that stuff. Just the the you know the the main ingredients for your meals. And then if you want things like, you know, fancy things, herbs and spices, Thai curry paste, all of these things. I love to cook, so I like to get all these little fancy ingredients as well. So then you buy all of that stuff, go to go to Sainsbury's, spend 10 pounds, get yourself your Thai curry paste, etc. And then you've got everything that you that you would really need. Um, so and once you usually, pick the right- Sorry to interrupt. It's usually the stuff that keeps 
as well, isn't it? That's the, the, uh, who I find, because this is exactly my strategy. The stuff you can get from Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda, that you want the branded stuff, it usually is packaged stuff, so it keeps for ages anyway. So that strategy definitely works. Try yeah. and tested. So once you've picked the right supermarket, which uh, you, you've probably guessed now is Aldi or Lidl, according to Ben and Rob, um, the next best thing to do is to think about like the, the choices of food you're making. So if you go to the shop and then, okay, let's say you're going to buy vegetables from the shop and you decide that all the vegetables you're going to buy is going to be spinach. So you buy like the whole week's worth of vegetables in like fresh spinach. That's still going to be really expensive. If you, if you buy fresh spinach, blueberries, strawberries and raspberries as your food, there are, there are certain foods which they tend to be quite expensive and you don't get much. So if you choose different fruits and vegetables, for example, you can get usually in England, the foods that are grown in England tend to be way cheaper. So if you're thinking about buying some fruits and you pick up, you can get a massive bag of like 12 apples and it'll be like a pound, pound 50 or something. So if you're going to buy fruits and veg or whatever it is, buy the, the cheap version of it. Um, and the same applies to meats as well. I can't really think of any good examples with this, but there are like cheaper cuts of meat, which are still good. So like chicken breast, if you just buy a normal chicken breast, that's going to be very, very cheap. Um, if you're going to buy a piece of beef, you've all, you've obviously got the choice between like, you know, a medium quality steak or like a tiny piece of fillet steak, which is way less food, but it's way more expensive. So just weigh up the options and, you know, steer away from the super expensive stuff if you can. Um, and one other tip I've got is if I'd say the thing people worry about most when it comes to healthy eating is vegetables are expensive. That's what people usually think. They go down the veg aisle and they think that all the veg is expensive. And it is. You can get like a huge bag of like crisps, like multi-pack of crisps or like a few pieces of a few vegetables and they'll be the same price. But there is a solution. If you go over to the, go to the frozen section and grab yourself some frozen veg. Frozen veg is good because um i'd say i, I don't know i don't I, this may not be as this again is like third hand information but i'm sure frozen veg because they like pick it straight from the field and then it gets frozen quite soon afterwards so it may even be fresher than the fresh veg you see in the supermarket yeah because i've heard in, some in, some stuff about this because in transit it's been frozen same with frozen fish, because with frozen, well, with fish, they'll catch it, they'll freeze it, they'll freeze all the fish when they've caught it on the boat, and then the fresh fish is just fish that was frozen that's been unfrozen. So frozen stuff does tend to be fresher than fresh stuff, and people think like, oh, frozen veg, you know, must all the nutrients must have leaked out of it or whatever, or it's 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 more processed, etc. But it really isn't. It's just been made colder. The taste of frozen veg may not be quite as good, but um, yeah, frozen veg is a very, very good option for getting your veg in for not much money. I eat tons of frozen veg, and it's super easy to make. You pour it into a bowl, you put it in the microwave for six minutes, and you've got a bowl of vegetables completely done. Yeah, and you can't have everything. I mean, like if you're trying to save, if you want losing weight to be affordable, you might have to sacrifice a little bit of taste, a little bit of mouth pleasure, as I was talking about on the Instagram Live. Sometimes you've got to sacrifice a little bit of that, and frozen veg might be a little bit more soggy. Um, not quite as tasty as fresh, but if you're trying to save money, maybe you can alternate every other meal. And I do find boiling that frozen veg makes it taste nicer. Microwaving, it's the lowest form of taste, but oh, sometimes the handiest. 
and I, I I really like the fact that it's really mushy and soggy. Probably most people probably don't like that. I find yeah, my grandma really, likes her broccoli to eat like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all mushed. Like if if I cook it how I like it, she's like, "What is this?" She likes her toast burnt, and she likes her broccoli pretty much disintegrated. Maybe it's old teeth. So yeah, losing weight. First of all, the food side of things, we've given you lots of different ideas there. Basically, eat normal food. Make sure you're eating in a calorie deficit because that is what drives that and you don't need to eat separately from your family. You don't need to stick to some strict meal plan that doesn't teach you anything long-term and that's expensive. You can eat normal food and just make sure you're eating the right amount of calories for you. And obviously, you can get recipes that will help you with that and we do do that with our clients. They get a recipe book for over 100 pages of recipes that are family-friendly that me and Ben have developed through our busy lives so they're quick and easy. But ultimately, it's very simple. Mm. Go shop at cheaper super che- uh, supermarkets, buy cheaper food, eat in a calorie deficit, and it shouldn't be that expensive. Sorry, Ben, what were you going to say? I just thought of one more tip. We've talked a lot about supermarkets, but one of the best ways to not waste money on food, general food, is to avoid eating out, avoid buying food on the go as much as you possibly can. Eating at restaurants, grabbing lunch from the shop at work, um, having a takeaway, all of these things are very expensive compared to the amount compared to how much food you can get from a supermarket. Like if you go out for a meal and it costs, let's say you go out for lunch with somebody and it costs twenty five pound for the whole bill, little that could be an entire week of food for one meal. So for one, person. if you're just, you just kind of look at, have a look, like serious look at your spending habits, and if you are just blowing tons of money on lunches and dinners out and stuff, but you're then complaining you don't have enough money to eat healthy and you don't want enough money to take care of your fitness that might not really be the case if you buy a um like a cup of coffee every single day from mcdonald's or from a you know starbucks or whatever that's gonna add up to like 50 pounds a month just to have a cup of coffee and you could buy like a little thing of a tub of coffee from the shop for like three pounds and have your coffee at home put it in a put it in a um a flask and take it with you and you'll save yourself 50 pounds a month immediately and you make a few little changes like that, and before you know it, you've saved yourself a few hundred pounds a month just on uh, simple things like that. And then you've got all that money to invest in yourself and in actually getting what you want. Boom. I feel like we've already solved the problem. We haven't even gotten to exercise yet. Yeah. I think we've already probably, come yeah. up with tactics to save you a thousand pounds a year, plus another tactic to save you 50 pounds a month. So another that's another five, 600 pounds a year just by getting a coffee cup from home and shopping at a cheaper supermarket. It's pretty simple. It's, it's, and I mean, it, all this stuff kind of comes down to a case of priorities in the end of the day, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. we don't all have a lot of money. Um, not everyone's rich, but how you divert your money and direct your money can make a big difference. Some people are very frugal and then maybe they can't afford it, but for a lot of people, it's more a case of priorities. I think uh, as well, a lot of people, they think they don't have much money, but the reason that they feel like they don't have much money is because they are spending it on, you know, like coffees and lunches out and stuff, but they're just not, they're not looking at where their money's going. Yeah, so it's, so it's to easy of, to do. I used to do this until same. I, had, I ran out of money a few times and then I was like, ah, I should probably look at where it's going. And then when you add up, it's because it's those, those costs look so small. And I've got a good app now. Oh, good! It's a card called the Monzo card. I think you've seen it, Ben. But it's a card that yeah. tells you where your spending is going every month. So you spend money on it. It's like a credit card or it's a debit card, actually. And it will then give you a summary of this much is going on food. This Most of mine is food. But I eat a lot. <laughs> food. This much is going on groceries. This much is going on eating out. And you're like, 
wow, it's £100 a month actually going on just getting coffees and things or £60 a month is going on getting coffees and things that are not that important. They don't really make my life that much better. Like if I made one at home, like Ben said, probably be just as nice. I just need that warmth. And I could, if I just made that coffee at home, then I'd have 50, 100 pounds more to spend investing in myself and my health and my fitness and making it, it's not more affordable, but it's making it more achievable for you. So yeah, definitely look, those small costs add up to big costs. And I know, I know a lot of people know this, but every time I look, it still shocks me how much they add up. We don't want to be like nanny, nannying mums. <laughs> pointing this out but it is it is a it's a real issue like almost always when I think oh I can't afford something it's usually because I've spent a lot a lot of money on lots of little things I didn't really need all right so that's basically covered the base on food shall we jump into exercise Ben yeah that's good let's move on all right so what would be the first piece of advice you'd give someone when they're trying to lose weight on a budget in terms of exercise so with exercise what we recommend uh, personally what I'd recommend for you what I'd recommend for anybody who wants to lose weight who wants to get toned is to do weight based exercise first of all that's my own personal recommendation um, and a lot of people think that when you know you tell them you've got to go and do weights that that's going to be expensive because of one of three things so they either think a they've got to get a gym membership B, they're going to have to work with a PT, or C, they're going to have to buy tons of expensive equipment at home and like build their own home gym. So the first one, gym membership. You can get really, really good results with your body from home with very, very, very basic pieces of equipment. So don't think you have to get a gym membership. If you're currently forking out for a gym membership, you're going there, you're doing, you know, you're, you're, you're exercising at the gym, you're doing classes, cardio, whatever it is, and you're not seeing results in the mirror, First, it, it may not be that you, you may not even need that gym membership to see results in the mirror. That might that's probably not the um, the factor which is going to give you that success. So you can get great results from home, and the advantages of getting results from home is it's going to save you a ton of time because you're not having to travel to and from the gym. Um, I remember when I used to go to the gym, I would do a forty minute workout, but because it took me half an hour to get to the gym, to get back from the gym, twenty minutes to shower at the gym, that ends up being two hours round trip to get a gym session in. Whereas if I trained at home, that would be 40 minutes plus 10 minutes for a shower. So like 50 minutes total. So you can save yourself a ton of time. Obviously you're gonna save yourself a ton of money. Gym membership can be anything from, it depends where you live, like 20 pounds up to, some are crazy, some are like 120 pounds and stuff. Like some really fancy gym. talk about my CrossFit gym membership. In London. <laughs> Mine's more than that. <laughs> Even more than that. Mine's 180 pounds a month with a discount. It's the most painful thing ever, but I love CrossFit, so that's what I have to do. That is expensive for a gym membership. So, um, yeah, you can save yourself time, you can save yourself money, and the only disadvantage of training at home that I see is kind of the safety element. Obviously, if you're at the gym and you've got gym staff all around and then you, you drop a ton of weight on your on yourself and you end up crushed under a barbell somewhere, someone's gonna come and help you and save you. But if you're at home, if you're training on your own you don't quite you don't really know what you're doing you could end up injuring yourself so if, if you're going to work out at home first of all make sure you're you know what you're doing and second of all don't kind of don't push yourself past your limits but loads and loads of our clients train from home and they see just as good results as the clients who train from the gym because 
yeah, people don't really realize, but you can get so much done with so so little equipment. Obviously, the people who run, you know, if if some if the people who run gyms and put adverts for gyms on TV want you to think that you need to join the gym in order to lose weight, obviously because they're trying to make money, but you can do it from home, and that's going to save you a ton of money. Um, so yeah, first thing, don't need the gym membership. The second tip is if you think you need a PT to take you through every single workout session, that can be one of the most expensive things you could do. If you think if it costs say, 30 pounds a session for PT, I don't know if that's that's correct. Or I think really. that's reasonable. It can be between sort of 30 and 50, can't it, an hour? So if we go for 40, if you have three sessions a week at 40 pounds, that's 120 pounds a week, which adds up to 480 pounds a month, just to have somebody watch you do your workouts. And the only reason you ever really need someone to watch you go through your workouts is if you are really, really unsure on your technique. So if you just instead take the things into your own hands, you educate yourself on how to lift weights properly, how to exercise properly, and then you just have a program to follow, which is going to get you the results you want to you want to see, and you're able to put that program into action yourself, you can completely remove that need to have a PT with you. Another reason people go for PTs, though, is for motivation. We're going to get into mindset um, at the end of this, well, after we go through exercise on this podcast, but you can become self-motivated. If you always need a PT to motivate you, you're always going to have to pay a PT to take you through your workouts, which is going to cost, you know, five, six thousand pounds a year, every single year, just to have somebody watch you work, do your workouts, and just have somebody to motivate you. And over a period of time, let's say you need a PT to stay in shape for the next 10 years, that could be 50,000, 60,000 pounds, which I'm sure you'd rather spend on tons of things, a nice car, a small house, or a flat, uh, a load of holidays so yeah I think um, PT can be useful working with somebody face to face just to get help with your technique if you're really really unsure but sticking with a PT forever is one of the most expensive ways to stay in shape yeah so that's first said, as Ben said we've had loads of clients like I was on the phone to a client the, I think it was last week Friday so just over a week ago she was telling me how she's now lost three and a half, three and a half stone, and that's without a gym membership. That's without um, a personal trainer, just with some really basic equipment, which I think Ben's going to get onto right now. And just using that over a period of a year and a bit, she's lost three and a half stone in a sustainable way. So you don't like that's proof. Proof is in the pudding that you don't need a gym membership. You don't need a personal trainer. Um, it might be nice to have those things, but you don't need them. So. If you want to lose weight and do it in a sustainable way and keep it off, it's still possible. But in terms of equipment, Ben, why don't you jump into that? What kind of equipment could you use? Because there's certain equipment's a lot better than others in terms of cost efficiency, space efficiency and everything, isn't it? Yeah, so with a piece of equipment, the, the thing to look at is how many different things can you work with that piece of equipment. So for example, if you take a gym machine, any of the machines at the gym, like a leg extension machine, for example, you can train one muscle group with that machine. You can train your quads with a leg extension machine. And that's it. You can't use it for anything else. You can't train your upper body. You can't train your hamstrings. You can't train your core. You can't train your back. You can't do anything with it apart from your quads. So that's a very specialized piece of equipment. So what we really want, if you're going to have one piece of equipment from home, 
is the piece of equipment which can be used to train as many muscle groups and as many parts of your body as possible so it can do absolutely everything what we recommend for that is a kettlebell you probably know what a kettlebell is it's just like a big ball like a heavy round weight with a handle on the top it looks with like a that, kettle yeah it looks like a kettle without Old a spout one and with that piece of equipment if you have you know if you have your program written down you know what exercises to do with it you know what you're doing with it you can train your entire body and you can get great results with just one piece of equipment so if you think you need to buy equipment for home for a home gym first of all you don't need you need like one piece of equipment a kettlebell or a dumbbell and you can train your entire body what you really need is the program to follow which allows you to put that piece of equipment into action rather than um, more equipment yeah because the program can make quite a big difference um, for a lot of reasons can't it like it first of all it can give you like certainty or confidence in what you're doing because a lot of people try and figure it out on their own or they do some old workout DVD they had in a box or something like this that they know hasn't really worked for them in the past and they're like okay well I'll just give it a shot anyway or I'll just try and go to the gym and figure it out but it's all too complicated so they end up just on the stair machine or on the cross trainer or on the running machine or on the rowing machine because those are kind of easy to use so having a program is important for that um, because you can then get so much more out of your equipment because there's no point buying all the equipment and then not being sure of how to use it so having a program or someone showing you how to use it is I would say it's pretty essential I remember the first time Ben sent you sent me that T-Nation push-pull program mm. Um, I'd been doing men's health gym workouts. I, I specifically remember, I remember a time where me and Wasp, one of my friends in first year of university, were walking back from our accommodation somewhere. And we walked past these two guys who always went to the gym. They were weightlifters. And they knew, one of them is now like a GB weightlifter. They really know what they're doing. And uh, one of them's Pete Ben. And I remember walking past them and this guy knew Pete. And they said, oh, where are you going? I said, we're going to the gym. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're doing the uh, men's health beach body workout. And they were like, head in their hands. Like, really? You're going to do that? Okay. <laughs> and um, what I've come to realize now in retrospect is like, there's a lot of rubbish workouts out there. There's a lot of ones that won't get you much bang for your buck. And then Ben, a couple of years later, was like, I've been doing this workout and I am getting really strong and really fit really quick. I'm feeling amazing. And I started doing it and then I got the same benefits. I was like, oh my God, these do make a difference. Not every workout is created even uh, equal. And some can get you three times the results or some can just get you no results, whereas others are going to get you loads of results. and You'll be feeling fitter and healthier and stronger and happier and more confident. That's what I found anyway. And this, this one made all the difference. And then I kind of started getting into that and right, going, well, what makes a good workout? What doesn't make a good workout? And there's actually more to it than just getting someone sweaty and tired because you can get people sweaty and tired i know i'm on a sidetrack here <laughs> i'll bring it back in a sec but you can get people sweaty and tired very easily as a coach but that doesn't mean you're gonna get any changes there's a lot more science behind it and there's a lot more to writing a good workout in my opinion so definitely make sure you've got something that's actually going to deliver you results because you could spend loads of money on loads of crap workout programs um, loads of cheap ones or ones created by people who don't really know what they're doing or just put in magazines to look cool that's a big thing but see no results so make sure you're not just wasting your time when you're actually using that equipment as well because times times money as they say and you'll be wasting money on things if you're not actually getting the results you want so i do think that's also important have something that's 
that's been proven to work by people who know what they're doing because otherwise you're just going to be wasting a lot of time and money on something all right yeah. my rant is over ben <laughs> it's it's a very fine balance with workouts as well i'm i'm staying with my friend sammy at the moment who is massively into um powerlifting and programming workouts and stuff he he makes me feel like i know nothing about the gym or creating workouts because he he is so so into it he does it all by numbers all by science but um i kind of like the programs he would use or make for himself are very 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 specific because uh, the more advanced you get the more specific your program has to be in order to continue seeing results so at first you can get away with a program which is um just kind of average and you'll see really good results on it but the, the more advanced you get the more specific you need to get with your program the better program it has to be in order to see results and a number of things to look for when you're looking for a program first of all is that it trains the entire body like every single muscle in the entire body one mistake i see people doing is they say i want to lose stomach fat and then they just do like 100 crunches a day i think that that's the way to succeed which that's what me that makes me put my head in my hands and just feel feel upset having to uh, see them putting in all that effort and then they're not going to see any results in the mirror so any a good workout program needs to train all of the muscles in the body um, secondly you want to be training those muscle groups kind of multiple times per week so that you're always kind of stimulating the body to see results and third is that your program starts off it has um, what we call like progression so it starts off at a level which you are kind of comfortable with it's like a little bit of a challenge at the start but then you don't continue with the same thing forever as you get more advanced your program gets more advanced with you and it means that you're going to continue seeing results because if you continue doing a beginner program when you become intermediate you'll be you become advanced then your results are just going to come to a stop you need a program which is tailored for you and, and similarly you can't start out as a beginner and go for a program which is made for someone really advanced like a fitness athlete or a um, you know Olympic champion or whatever will need a completely different workout to someone who has not been to the gym for five years and is just starting out. So it's a really fine balance getting a workout plan which is perfect for your level, but it's also effective enough, which is which <laughs> effective enough to get you seeing the results you want to see. And having the right program can be the difference between working your ass off, thinking you're putting in loads of effort, working out an hour a day. But seeing no results in the mirror or working out an hour a day and seeing better results than you ever thought possible yeah and it can even be the difference between working out an hour a day seeing with no results and working out just an hour three times a week and seeing loads of results we've seen that happen as well yeah so uh, there's the cliche phrase is like train smarter not harder you do need a uh, a workout program which is cleverly programmed in order to get the best possible results and avoid wasting your time, your effort. Um, and one thing that I think makes means people never see the results they want to see is if they have a program which is not really that good, the nutrition program has not been created very well, the exercise program has not been created very well. So they put all the effort into it, they don't see the results in the mirror, and then naturally they get discouraged and they give up. Then obviously they don't get to where they want to go. And the difference between that and a good program is with a good program, you put the same effort in you start seeing results you're excited about seeing the results the results are the fun part going to the gym and exercising is not really the fun part some exercise is fun but 
I mean, just going, you know, lifting weights, running on a treadmill, treadmill whatever, it can, it can be tedious at times. The fun part is the result that you get from that. And as soon as you start seeing the results and realizing that the effort you're putting in in the gym or at home with your workouts is going to get you those results, it becomes very, very easy to stick to the program that you're following. Definitely, completely agree. It gets kind of addictive if you, you kind of get addicted to seeing those results. Once you start seeing the change, and once you start realizing it's not you that's at fault it was the previous approach you followed or the previous plan or the previous whatever that wasn't working then you're like okay i can change and then once you start believing in it and believing in yourself then you can then you'll double down on your effort and put in even more now there's one last thing that you can also spend a lot of money on when it comes to exercise and that's actually just workout clothing itself like we all love well most of us love to have nice clothes i think whether you like to shop them for them or not is another question but i don't really like the shopping side but i do like to wear nice clothes and i do like to have nice workout gear cool trainers and uh, nice tops nice bottoms or shorts whatever all of that makes you feel feel good but the reality is none of those things are actually you can you can justify it to yourself and i've done this to myself before and gone these shoes are going to really help these are going to make all the difference and they might make a small difference, but the reality is if you're not going to do the work or the approach you're following is flawed, then spending more money on clothing is really going to be just throwing money down the drain. And if you want to make it more affordable to lose weight, to keep it off, then maybe you need to again come back to this whole priorities thing we talked about earlier and think, is directing more with clothes to new Tiki Boo leggings because someone on Instagram buys them or new... Um, I'm running out of brands now, new Lululemon clothing or night clothing or whatever it is you like to buy, really going to actually get me what I want? Or is it just going to make me wrap the body that I don't really like and I'm not really happy with and it's not really serving me, just wrap that in fancy clothing, but still not, not really like what's underneath? And then it becomes even, it becomes twice as expensive because let's say you buy all these fancy workout gear in, uh, whatever size you are now then if your program does work and you do lose a couple of dress sizes then you have to rebuy all of the clothing again so you have to buy it twice I'm not yeah, saying we do have some clients who get fed up with that they're like I've had to buy a whole new wardrobe but it's for a good reason and I'm not saying like don't ever buy yourself new clothing but just don't it's just when people are spending like hundreds of pounds a month on new workout gear like oh maybe if I have these new trainers then I'll be able to see better results it's, just, just not going to happen. You could see, you could wear the. I wear the worst clothes ever in the gym. I wear really ugly trainers that are really old, dirty, and like have rips and stuff in them. I wear really old shorts. I wear like any any old t-shirt I can find because it's not important. You go there, you sweat in your clothes, you go home. That's it. And the thing is, you might you might be tempted to to buy all that because you want to look like you know what you're doing and you want to. I do get it. You want to feel confident in the gym. You want to think people think you know what you're doing. Um, if you're going to the gym, that is. If you're doing it from home, this is less of a problem, I think. But if you're going to classes, you're going to the gym, you think, I need to have this stuff because people are going to be judging me. They're going to be looking at me. And like the reality is maybe people will, but it doesn't really matter. But most people at the gym are way too interested in looking at themselves, looking at themselves in the mirror, worried about what everyone else is thinking. They're also doing that. So no one's really paying you much attention. Whether you know what you're doing, whether you don't, whether you're wearing nice clothes, whether you're wearing cheaper clothes, they're really like 99% of people are more interested in themselves and they're not really looking at you anyway. So just go and get your workout done, as Ben said, doesn't really matter what you're wearing. 
um, you're probably going to change size anyway if you're doing something that works. So I wouldn't worry about it. And it might be a motivation to say, I don't want to wear these clothes, but I'm only going to buy myself new clothes when I'm a size smaller, for example. Right, shall we crack on to the last elements? We've covered exercise, we've covered food. Exercise can be cheap, food can be affordable. But the last piece of this is, as always, probably one of the most important pieces, which is the mindset element, the motivation, but the mindset of actually losing weight in general. Like if your mindset is not in the right place and you have a mindset that's not serving you, it could make it a very expensive process. Like Ben, what kind of examples have you got of this? Like if your mindset is, is a certain way, how can it be more expensive? Okay, so one one thing is if you um, if you're always trying to save money on this process, you may end up doing it more than like doing it over and over again more than once. So it's like it kind of reminds me of that show, you know, Cowboy Builders, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Where they have um, someone will get their kitchen done up, they'll and they'll get it done, you know, at a very low price. The builders will come in, they'll do a crap job of it, and then they have to get it redone again. And it's imagine if with your body if you're taking this kind of approach. So let's talk about kitchens again. You get your kitchen done, you get a crap job done on it. It all falls to pieces and looks and looks really bad after six months. You get another cowboy builder on to do another cheap job on it. And you're having to continuously pay for your kitchen to be fixed every single six months because you're never, you've never been willing to invest the money to just get it done once. Get it done right once and then have that completely sorted and not have to worry about it. So it's kind of the same thing when it comes to fitness if you keep investing in quick fixes over and over and over again you're going to end up paying for diets over and over and over again whereas if you just solve the root cause of the problem you you learn how to shift your entire lifestyle learn how to get results that last a lifetime rather than just lasting six months then you can go through this process once you can lose the weight you can transform your lifestyle transform your mindset transform your habits and then for the next 10 20 years you just know what to do. You know how to eat correctly. You know how much to eat. You know how to exercise. You know how to stay on track with your mindset. And you just do it. You just become one of those people who doesn't need to rely on diets. He's not constantly in the cycle of, constantly in a cycle of dieting, always on a new program, always on a new plan. You just become, this is who I am. I'm Claire or whoever you are. And I am a fit person. I just, I just, you know, I exercise regularly. I eat right and I stay in shape because of it. And that's that. So I think that's one of the most important things. It may, to get one of these solutions, it may not be the cheapest thing. You may not be able to go and you know just buy a ten-pound recipe book, and that's going to solve all your problems. You might have to invest in some coaching. You might have to invest in something a bit more dramatic, but something that actually works, something that actually long-term gets you to where you want to be, and that means you're not having to spend again and again and again and again to fix the same problem. Yeah, and I would be wary of anything that isn't fixing the root cause of the problem, because. More often than not, the root cause is, as Ben said, not shifting your lifestyle, um, binge eating, all these things we've sort of talked about, self-sabotage, talking yourself down, negative self-talk that leads to overeating, that leads to not exercising, leads to not believing in yourself. And if something isn't going to change that, if all it's doing is saying, I'll eat these different foods or go and do this exercise. If you struggle to do exercise before, if you struggle to take control of your food choices before, once that initial motivation of buying this new plan, this new diet, this new book, this new joining this new slimming club, once that wanes, you're going to be back in square one again. 
And as Ben said with the cowboy builder analogy, I think it's a great analogy. All you're effectively doing if you're just joining the same kind of thing you've always joined is just hiring the same cowboy builder. Imagine watching TV and you watch cowboy builders and the person at their kitchen, you watch this terrible builder cucking up the whole kitchen, doing a terrible job, nails pointing out everywhere, the thing's really flimsy and falling apart and they tell them they have to rip it apart. And the person goes, okay, cool. I'll, uh, I'll, it is terrible. I'll get it sorted. Like it didn't work. This is a rubbish job. Hasn't worked for me. And then they phone the same person who just did the terrible job and say, oh, can you come and uh, redo the kitchen? And they come and do a crap job again. And then you go, okay, this isn't, I need to sort this out. Phone up again. Can you come and redo the kitchen again? And you're just calling the same cowboy builder or different cowboy builders, depending on if you get into different diets that haven't worked for you in the past. But basically these variations are the same thing. And it's never going to work. Like we've talked about this quote before, we'll talk about it again, but I think, Someone on our um, Trinity Tribe community mentioned this to me today or yesterday and said, Rob reminded me of this, that the definition of insanity, this is a quote, I can't remember who said it, Ben will probably tell me in a minute, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And if you're just going to the same slimming club, the same diet club, the same diet book, the same diet, whatever it is, again, that led, led you to lose some weight and then regain it all again, and you just keep going back or to similar versions, then basically that is kind of insane. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna magically suddenly go, now your lifestyle's changed, now you did this thing that never worked for you before and that you've just gave you temporarily results. Not gonna happen, unfortunately. Do you know who that quote's by, Ben? No. I uh, wish sure. I could remember, but um, it's, it's a famous one. So basically you wanna tackle the root cause of the problems, right? Yeah pretty much and I think another good thing is to like is to look at the cost of not taking action because this is one of the biggest things we do as humans um, we I'm trying to think how to put this I'm sure Ben could put this better than me we want to avoid this is right isn't it we want to avoid loss they've found this through research and studying human history we're programmed to avoid loss more than gain. Is that right? We're programmed to be fearful of loss more than gaining something. Yeah, the uh, psychological effect of, let's say you're betting in sports or something, psychological effect of losing £100 in a bet is more severe than the effect of winning £100 in the bet. So you get more kind of negative emotion from losing the money than you will positive emotion from gaining the money, which I guess is kind of built in to teach you not to take stupid risks not to try not to kind of lose things but this loss avoidance can lead us to not getting what we actually want yeah it paralyzes us because it keeps us from taking action because we think oh but last time i bought something to do with weight loss it didn't work and um what happens if it doesn't work what happens if i can't do it what happens if the people aren't very nice what happens if um if I get too busy, what happens if my holiday doesn't make it work? And we come up with a million and one reasons. We're excellent at this. We all are. Why we're we not going to take some? Why we're we not going to do something? Why we're we not going to hire someone to help us with something? Why we're we not going to take action on something? So we come up with a million reasons why we shouldn't do it, and then we don't really think about what's the flip side of that because we're designed to weight this heavier of saying, "Oh, there's the risk of not doing it. I could look silly because I mess up the diet. I could waste." some money because I uh, it doesn't work or I can't stick to it so really what you've got to do is flip this around because we're, we're automatically programmed to not take action 
And really what you've got to say is, yes, it might cost a little bit of money, but hopefully if you go for the right approach, as we've said over and over on this, then it'll be money well spent. But what is the cost of not taking action? What could be the worst case cost if you don't take action? Because you've looked at the worst case cost if you do, which is basically nothing changes and you've spent a little bit of money, which isn't actually that bad. And then the cost of not taking action, I have you consider could be a lot more expensive. Like, let's say you're really not, you don't love yourself at the moment and it's a sad place to be in, but a lot of people are there. You don't love the, love the way you look, where you feel, and ultimately you don't love yourself inside. You're negatively self-talking to yourself and you're lacking in confidence and it's pushing you further and further and further away from your other half and from your kids and from the people around you. Like, where could that lead if that just kept happening? And we get loads and loads of questionnaires from people who fill out our mindset assessment and they, we say, what, like, what's the cost of not taking action to those people? Because it's an important question. And a lot of them answer that with saying, oh, I think I'm heading towards a divorce or I could head towards a divorce eventually because I'm just not feeling good around my partner. I'm not feeling sexy around my partner anymore. I'm not feeling like me. And they're starting to notice and they're getting fed up with me always being down about my weight and always being down about it. So it's more about how you feel about it than being overweight that's the problem. So what's the cost of not taking action when it comes to your relationship? Because a lot of the ladies we speak to say, I could see this going this way. And then what's the cost when it comes to having like the impact on your kids if you've got kids as well? What's the cost of not taking action there? And I know we've talked about this before, but it's important to think about this. Like your kids are going to be copying what you do. You're, your, you're their greatest role model. They look up to you and they do what you do. I've been seen it. I've seen it. You've probably seen it at school. Kids whose parents smoked ended up smoking. Kids who were generally parents were more out of shape. They ended up more out of shape. It tends to be, they tend to be a reflection of you. And if you don't want your kids to grow up going through the same shit and not really liking where you're at right now and feeling out of shape, then maybe you can turn that around now by instilling those values in yourself and then them having a better life. So what's the cost of not doing it? Well, maybe your kids will also end up in the same situation that you're not happy in right now. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's also the case. And then what's the cost on your health? Like all the major health mark markers, you've probably seen the latest Cancer Research UK um, campaign. We mentioned it last week as well, I think, where it says obesity is a cause of cancer. Now, whether that's a nice advert or not, I'm not going to jump into that today. I listened to a whole podcast on that. But the cost of not taking action, like how expensive or how big a cost is it to you if you get ill, if you can't work anymore, if you can't support your kids or can't be there for your family, or maybe even ultimately you die really early, like how much is that worth to you? So you have to consider both sides and we're, we're kind of programmed to avoid thinking about this side because we think we want to just think, oh, it's going to cost 50 quid and that must be, that's going to be money down the drain and I won't be able to do it. We think of all of those sides of things, but we don't necessarily think of the other side, which is all the things that could happen because I don't do something about it. So I'll have you consider from what we talked about today, there's lots of ways to cut the cost, first of all, to make it affordable. And then also, what is the cost of not doing it? Because there's also a cost there. I don't know if there's a word, a word for it. I'm sure there's a technical term to that cost. I don't know if you, if you know what that is, Ben. I'm sure I've heard this. It's like the opportunity what? cost, something like that. Yeah. No. So you, have to, you have to weigh up the cost of taking action, which obviously usually costs money to do something versus the cost of not taking action, because there's usually a cost to both, basically. A lot of people as well, they, they even knowing all of this, knowing that it might negatively affect their relationship, their kids, their health, how long they're going to live, even knowing all of that, 
they can still justify why they won't take action. Like I'll hear people say things like, well, you know, I can't invest in this program because, well, speaking about our, pro- our program, they'll be like, I don't want to invest in this program because it's going to, I know it's going to cost me a few hundred pounds to make this huge, this transformation to my body and my lifestyle permanently. Um, and then for a few hundred pounds, I could take my kids on holiday and I could take my, my kids and my partner on holiday instead. But it's important to consider though, if you said to your kids, what would they rather have? Would they rather have you live 10 years longer, be happier every single day, um, and set them a better example, or would they rather go to Disneyland? They're probably going to say they want to see their mum happy, they want to see their mum live longer. Depends on their age, but yeah, I definitely think it once they're on mature age, enough yeah. <laughs> to know about that, they'll definitely agree with that. And even if they are too young I think any to, kid, really, to do that, if yeah, you phrase they, it in a way, it's like, be happy. If, they, if you were like, would you rather, would you, do you want mummy to die or do you want to not go on holiday? They'd be like, I don't want to go on holiday. Because obviously they love you. They, you're their mum. Yeah. Or <laughs> they're never, they're never going to want that for you. So it's, it's not selfish to want all of these things for yourself. To want to improve yourself in order to improve everybody else's life as well. Yeah, and I had my parents nearly split up and go through a lot of trouble over relationships. And I can tell you, kids don't want that to happen. That's very disruptive as well. So having a good relationship means the world to everyone involved in it. Like they. People don't think it impacts you. Like my parents, when I spoke to them about it, they didn't really think it would have a big impact on me, especially as I was like, I wasn't even young when this happened. I was like age 20, I think, or 21. Still caused like five, six, seven years of turmoil before I came to terms with it. So you've got to think there's this, this, this impact is beyond you. And we like to think it's not, but really they know if you're not happy, they know if you're not in a good place. and if your relationship suffers, if you've not got the connection with your other half because you're not really happy where you are and with yourself and you don't really like yourself and that's then going to propagate and it's going to have impacts way beyond just yourself. And this is, as Ben said, it's, it's, you've got to think beyond just you because there is an impact beyond you. Your kids will copy what you do. Your kids also live with you and your other half. If you're together, if, if you're not, your kids live with you. It's going to affect everyone. And if you don't have kids, Maybe one day you will, and again, it will affect them or your other half. Like Everyone around you, unless you're just a hermit, is, is going to be impacted by the way you feel. And if you're not living life to the fullest and feeling great every day, then a temporary fix like a holiday, like Ben said, is not really going gonna to help that situation that much. Like They might love Disneyland or whatever, whatever. But then two weeks down the line, if you're still fighting or if you're still not really getting on or if you're still down inside and pretending to be happy on the outside, but they know it, the problem's still there. I think this is, we're, we're experts at avoiding this stuff, aren't we, Ben? Like as humans, we don't want to talk about this stuff because it's not nice. We'd rather say I'm fine and it won't have an impact. Yeah, it's easy to like just pretend like to just go through your life, live in a certain way and be like, you know, well, you know, it never happens to me. You'll see somebody else who gets, gets a serious health problem or they die early or, uh, any of these things. And you just think, oh, well, it'll never happen to me. It happens to these other people. It's not until it, it suddenly slaps you in the face and you realize that you're in this situation yourself, that then you kind of think, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd taken care of my health. So I'm not like, you know, now really ill and I'm suffering from all these issues and stuff. So it's, 
it's kind of yeah, it's investing in yourself and investing in your future, your life, your happiness, your family's happiness. But and as soon as you see that impact, it makes it much more easy to make that decision. So it's important to look at this in your own life and ask yourself these serious, difficult questions. Yeah, you got to face the reality. I was saying um, I did an Instagram live. Some people may have heard it this week about my car that I've bought, and I've irrationally bought a. Uh, some Ben will know, but some people may also know. I've rationally bought an old, cheap Porsche, so sports car, but it's it's old and very cheap. So naturally, it might well have had a lot wrong long, uh, wrong with it. It's twenty years old, and I wanted to just kind of hope that everything was all right. I was in two minds about doing this, but I was like, I know that if something goes wrong, it could be a ten thousand pound bill, and I don't have the money for that. And this is kind of the situation people are like in their body. They're like, I kind of know that if my health is getting is not that great, I could get diabetes, I could die early, I could get cancer, I could get a divorce. But we like to pretend it's not there, right? So I was kind of thinking this with the car and then I was like, no, right, I'm not gonna be silly. I'm gonna, I'm experiencing this stuff now. I know how you've got to deal with it with your body. I'm gonna deal with my, my new car, new old car, the same way. So I booked it in for this full inspection. And I was really stressed out about this. It was on Wednesday. And um, basically what they're going to do is they're going to look inside the engine with a little camera, camera, I think it's called a bore scope, and they look inside the engine, look at the condition of it. If it's bad, you need a new engine, which is eight to 10,000 pounds. And this car's 20 years old. And if it's not, then it's all right. And they would inspect everything else as well. And I was like, I don't want to do this. It's not really fun. I'm having to spend a reasonable amount of money also doing this, but I know then I have got clear on the reality of where I am and I can actually do something about it rather than if I had just ignored the situation and then two months down the line, my engine's blown up and I could have saved some money and saved, I could have saved the situation much earlier. And this is kind of the same situation people are in with their bodies. Luckily, the test came back and it was all okay and it was all really good actually. But we don't really want to get clear on where we are because it's easier to hide from it. And I was really tempted. I was literally tempted on the day of this inspection to phone them up and say, look, I'm just not going to come because it's a few hundred quid just to get you to look inside the engine. I don't even get anything out of it. Um, and it's the same kind of thing with your body. You might think, look, I could try and lose weight. I could try and get it off sustainably, um, but it's going to be hard. It's going to cost money. It's going to have effort. And look, it's not that bad. And you can just say to yourself, it's not that bad. It's not, nothing that bad can happen. Reality is, as we just talked about with the cost, there could be some pretty big costs. Like if you did have a divorce, worst case, that's notoriously insanely expensive. If you had big health issues, that can be really expensive as well. Or it can cost you your life. Or it can mean that like with diabetes, you might have to have your leg amputated or which is very common. More amputations come from diabetes than from war. Or it might be that you just live the life you hate and obviously that's very, very big cost because you only get one life and if you hated it, then I don't know what that's worth to you, but to me that's worth pretty much all the money I have. So you kind of got to face, face the facts. And this is what I had to do with my car and this is what you probably need to do with your body if you're not currently changing things. You've got to face the facts and say, look, this is where I am. And if it's not good, at least you're in the then the powerful position to say, I can go ahead and change it now because I've looked at the facts. Whereas if you ignore them and sweep them under the carpet, you could have some horrible surprises down the line. That's the way I see it anyway. Yeah. I love a car analogy, so probably bored everyone to death with that. But the last thing I would say 
is you've got to kind of see yourself as an investment. And I know Ben touched on this with Disneyland, but Ben, like if, if you invest in load of rubbish, it's not gonna get you anything. If you pay peanuts, you're gonna get peanuts. But if you invest in something that's gonna give you a lifetime transformation, lifetime weight loss, then that could be one of the best investments you ever make in your life. So you are your number one investment. You live inside your body. You can't change your body. Um, you can't just pick a new one from the shop. You are inside that. You live with you every day. And that's the one thing that you can't really change. So imagine if you could make that better and you can, like we've had over 3000 people, people come through Trinity, 3000 busy women and they've made incredible changes and you can do it too. So that's all I really want to say. Like you, you can do what you want to do. It's just finding the right approach and it doesn't have to be that expensive. Yeah. And, um, obviously we've been talking a lot about the cost today, about the cost of not taking action, about investing in yourself. And you may have been listening to this podcast for a while. This may be your first episode, but everything we talk about, all the strategies that we tell you to implement that we say, are you know, the way we would recommend that we do things, we stand behind all of that. And it's exactly what we coach to all of our women inside of our programs, inside of Trinity, the Trinity tribe members. If you do want to get involved with that, if it's if it's time, if it's if it's got to the point where the cost of not taking action is has become so great for you that you're ready to make this change, you're ready to start seeing these lifetime results, transform the way you live, transform your body, head over to trinitytransformation.co.uk. You can see everything we offer there. You can get a bunch of free guides. You can sign up for our coaching to work with us and um, start seeing results. But yeah, it may be worth looking into. It may be worth looking into for you. And the worst case is you can try it seven days for free anyway. So if it's not for you, there literally is no downside. There's nothing to lose. So as Ben said, if the time's right, the time's right. Go to trinitytransformation.co.uk and do something. So that brings us to the end of today's Motivation Method podcast. But before you go, we have some important announcements. Piece one is if you're not currently subscribed on iTunes to the Motivation Method podcast, get yourself subscribed today. Number two, if you're not currently getting access to the daily motivation emails and action guides found at trinitytransformation.co.uk, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk and get that done today and we'll start sending those your way. The final piece of this is our Motivation Masterclass Challenges. If you're ready to finally unleash your inner motivation and willpower with a customized action plan and your own personal coach and the support of our Trinity tribe, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk today and sign up for our Motivation Masterclass and we'll get you started right away. And last but not least, if you're listening to this show and you're getting value from it, number one, do the things that we talk about here. And number two, you don't pay us to do this. So instead, all we ask of you is to simply share this show with one person who you think it could help today. So this is Rob Burkhead. And this is Ben Hughes. And this has been the Motivation Method Podcast. See you on the next one. Mm -hmm.